going to be reading Psalms 22 out of the New King James Version. Psalms, most of Psalms is accredited to uh, the authorship of King David, the same David that defeated Goliath. Not all of the Psalms, but a good portion of them. Psalms 22. And again, I'm reading out of the New King James Version in case, I don't know if we have that or not, it may be a little different on the screen. Verse number one says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, and you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. And I'm going to read that same portion of scripture, but I'm going to read it out of another translation. I don't think we have this. It's kind of a, it's not a very common translation. It's the modern English version translation, but let me read it for you, please, tonight. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anybody ever said that? Why are you so far from delivering me? Where are you, God? And from my roaring words of distress... Oh my God, I cry in the daytime and you do not answer and at night but have no rest. But you are holy. Oh you who inhabits the praises of Israel. And one more translation. Verse 3 says this in, a tra- in another translation. The praise of Israel builds a big chair for God to sit on. The praises of Israel builds a big chair for God to sit on. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. You may be seated in Jesus' name. There is a a movie. I will not mention the name of that movie. If you know the name of the movie I'm speaking of, uh, I'm not here to endorse it or or whatever. It's just a, I'm just using it. So don't. Don't take it as an endorsement. But there is a movie, and in this movie they make a very famous line. It's very quotable. And the line says, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. It was a reference to the building of a baseball field. And if you build this field, they will come. And it was repeated over and over again. If you build it, they will come. So I want to take that idea tonight and I want to tell you tonight if you build it he will come if you build it he will come David is one of the greatest men in all of scripture and one of the things that I like most about David and the writings of David if you go through and you read the things that David wrote especially in the Psalms David did not hide his feelings You ever been around somebody that always acts like they're having a good day? And you know they're not having a good day? David was somebody that, you know what, let me take that back. I, I, I don't like being around grumpy people. If you're grumpy, I, I'll, I'll hug you. But you know what, I mean, don't rain on my parade. However... We all are human beings. We all have our good days and we all have our bad days. 
And David had no problem telling you how he felt on his bad days. And David says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is there anybody in here tonight that could testify that you felt alone and felt like God was so far off there was no way he could ever hear you and you felt like when you cried out that your prayers were bouncing off the concrete ceiling of heaven and it didn't feel like God would even hear you and didn't feel like God even cared and the more you yelled, the less he heard you. And David is frustrated and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from delivering me? Sometimes you feel like you're farther now from getting to where you want to go than you were when you started. You know, they say, you know, you're closer now than you've ever been. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it feels like I was better off years ago than I am now because it seems like I'm going in the wrong direction. And David says, why are you so far from delivering me and from my warring words of distress? Oh my God! I cry in the daytime. I cry in the nighttime. And you don't answer. And I have no rest. But somewhere in that description of his distress, something hit David. Something struck David in his mind. And all of a sudden, he stops and says, Wait a minute. But God... You're holy. And you live in the presence of your people. I want to take you just for a moment tonight back to the Old Testament. You've heard of this maybe. You've heard of it. You may not understand all of the ramifications of it. But you've heard the term, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the most sacred thing in all of Israel in the Old Testament. It's mentioned over 200 times in the Old Testament. The Ark of the Covenant represented, represented, represented so many things to Israel. It was the evidence to Israel of God's existence. It was the evidence of Israel of God's faithfulness and what he could do and the miracles he could do. It was where God's presence abided. And in the tabernacle and the temple of the Old Testament, the ark was in the holiest of holies. It was where God's presence lived and abided. In fact, one time a year, the priest would come into the holiest of holies and he would sprinkle blood on the ark of the covenant as the atonement of the sins of Israel. And this ark represented to Israel the presence of God. At the top of the ark, the Bible describes that there was two cherubims. They're basically angels with wings. One on one end like this, the other on the other end like this. And they created a seat on top of the ark. And the Bible calls that the mercy seat. And this ark was something magnificent. It was something that God had instructed them to build. Something that God told them to use, to take into battle. Wherever the ark went, blessing followed. As long as Israel had the ark, they were blessed. As long as Israel took the ark into battle, they won the battle. Wherever the ark went, victory followed. Wherever the ark went, blessing came. Whosoever house... The ark was in. Blessing followed. 
In fact, there was one time, and not to get into the history of Israel, but there was one time they brought the ark back and they put it in the house of a man called Obed-Edom. And they put the ark there in his house. All of a sudden, Obed-Edom, his wife got better looking. His girls got prettier. His sons got smarter. His oxen got stronger. His chariot got chrome blinged out on it. All of a sudden, neighbors started showing up at Obed-Edom's house and said, what's going on in this house? There's something different happening in this house. Sick folks started showing up and walking in sick, but walking out healed. Why? Because they had the presence of God in the house of Obed-Edom. Because there's something transformative about the presence of God. Wherever the presence of God goes, blessing follows. Wherever the presence of God goes, victory comes. Wherever the presence of God is, healing follows. It's not about getting to the right church. It's not about finding the right preacher. It's not about finding something that I like and don't like. The ultimate thing to all of this is to get the presence of God, not just in a building here, but take the presence of God with me when I walk out of that room and get in my own car. Now watch this. David, he hears about all the stuff going down at Obed-Edom's house. All the stuff that's happening. And 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12 says this, and it was told to King David saying, the Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings and David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was girded with linen ephod. So David and all of the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouting with the sound of a trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came to the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, this was the prize that was given to David for defeating Goliath. Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. She was humiliated. Because here's the king of Israel acting crazy. Can I tell you something tonight? Whether you're a guest or you're a member. You'll never get to God like you want to staying in your comfort zone. You'll never find God like you want to if you are not willing to get out of your comfort zone. If you think God is going to operate in your little box, in your little comfort area, it's never going to happen. I'm not saying God's not going to love you. I'm not saying you're never going to feel God. But if you're hungry for something greater than what you've got, if you're hungry for something in your life like you've never experienced before, you're not going to be able to stay like you are. And you know what? There may be people that turn around and say, you know, that, that's, that's a little too crazy for church. You know, church, that's a, you, you guys act a little too crazy for church. Church is supposed to be a place of reverence. Church is supposed to be a place that's sacred. You, you act a little too crazy for church. Can I tell you today, if you knew where I came from? 
Oh, somebody needs to hear me. If you knew where God brought me from. If you knew what my life was like. If you knew that I was broken. I was lost. I was hurting. But God found me. If you knew where I was from, if you knew what my life was like, if you knew the fact that he picked me up and he turned me around, he put my feet on solid ground, if you knew what my life was like, then you'd understand why I act the way I do. Because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah! I'm sorry, folks, but he's done too much for me, for me to come into church and sit there and never give him praise. He's done too much for me to come in church and act like God's dead. But, folks, I'm here tonight to say, look what the Lord has done. Watch out tonight. You may be sitting next to a thief. Watch out tonight. You may be sitting next to a former drug addict. Watch out tonight. You may be sitting next to a former alcoholic. Watch out tonight. You may be sitting next to a former fornicator. Watch out tonight. You don't know who you're sitting next to. But we all found the blood of Jesus and the grace of the cross. And we're not who we used to be. But we're who he made me to be. says how can you act that way how can you be that way why do you act that way I don't the Bible doesn't say it but I wonder in David's mind he says girl you don't remember when I walked out on the plane and before me there was a giant and all I had was five little stones and a sling but I stepped out of there in the middle of that and I said to that giant you come to me with a sword and a shield but I come to you in the name of the Lord and it wasn't my ability but it was his ability that the stone that was in my pouch knocked over the giant so excuse me if I dance to your liking but God's done too much for me to keep me quiet somebody would just take a moment throw your hands up in the air lift your voice and just thank God for where he brought you from yes
David understood one thing. David understood one principle. He started it when he was a boy and carried it until he was a king. If you build it, he will come. 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 And he took that principle throughout everything in his life he did because there were times in David's life that he was oppressed. There were times in David's life that he was depressed. There was time in David's life that he was surrounded on every side. But in every one of those situations, he remembered if you build it. He will come. If you build it, he will come. So the avenue to God's presence is paved with worship and praise. Why do we come in here and we worship and we praise? Why do we come in here and lift up hands and open up our mouth and lift up our voice? Why do we do that? Because if we build it, he will come. It was said tonight, there are churches all over that have wonderful music. We've got, we've had great music. We love to sing. We love to worship. However, can I say this tonight? That worship and praise was never intended to be about us. Worship and praise was never intended to be about what we like. And you're here tonight, maybe you like something with a little more of a beat. Maybe you like something that can get you bouncing a little bit. Maybe you're for somewhere else, you like something with a little twang. Maybe you like something a little slower. Maybe you like something a little faster. But ultimately, it's not about what you like. It's not about what your preference is. It's about what he likes. Because you know what? I'm thankful for all of you that are here tonight. I'm thankful for our guests that are here tonight. But bottom line, if you don't come or you didn't show up, we were still going to have church. If you didn't show up, God was still going to move. If you didn't show up, people are still going to be healed. People are still going to be delivered. But if he doesn't show up, if he doesn't show up, we got a problem. Because if God doesn't show up, nobody's getting healed. Nobody's getting delivered. Nobody's life is getting changed. Nobody's life is getting touched. If he doesn't show up. So you know what? Can I, can I just pause? I know we got guests here, but can I pause just for a minute? Church, the, 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 the spirit of this age has crept into the church. And the church has become about what we like. And so people jump from church to church, finding a church that they like better than another church. Because churches now have become tailored to meeting the wants and wishes of people. Church was never about meeting your wishes. Church was about an avenue to get him down. Because if I entertain you tonight, you leave and go, well, that was neat. That was cool. I like that. But you get in your car, your life's not changed. Your life's not different. If you leave here to go, well, you know what? I liked what he had to say. I didn't like what he had to say. I'm going to find another preacher. I like that preacher. But ultimately, if it's just about entertainment, honey, you can go home tonight, flip on your television. There are a lot better entertainment than what I'm giving you right now.
In fact, if you go on Google tonight and you Google the top 10 most expensive movies ever made, not the ones that made the most, but the ones that cost the most, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars that were spent to entertain someone for an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours. Look around. We don't have that kind of budget. Hey, we're doing the best we can. We got some carpet now and we got this going on and we're adding stuff every once in a while. But if we had that budget, God bless Crofton Middle School, but we would not be here if we had that kind of budget. So we're not relying on entertainment. We're not relying on meeting your senses, the needs of your senses. But what we're hoping and praying is that if he comes, none of that matters. Because the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If he comes, he can take care of all this. If he comes, he can heal you. There are some people here tonight, I don't know you, but I can feel it in my heart tonight. There are people here tonight that you're hurting in your life. There's a healer in the place. There's some of you here tonight that you're bound by depression. There's a healer and a deliverer in the house tonight. There's some people in here tonight that you're empty in your life. Guess what? The ultimate God of heaven and earth is in this place tonight. Why is that important? Because it's not, I can't do anything for you. I can't change your life. I can't heal you. I can't help you, but I know one who can. I know the one who can. I know the one who can. And you know what? It may be out of your comfort zone tonight. Maybe you're not used to acting this way in church. Maybe you're used to being more respectful and more reverent in church. And that's, I'm not here to say that's right or wrong. That's preference. But ultimately, I don't, I, I, I'm too desperate. You know what? If I took you out into the desert and I kept you out there for several weeks, and I gave you no food and no water. And I brought you in this place tonight. And I set you back there. And I laid up here today a spread. And I had water. And I had food. And I had it all spread out. And then I brought these fans down here. And I put that on the food so that smell would blow in your direction. And you hadn't had anything to eat. You hadn't had anything to drink for weeks on end. You tell me how sophisticated you would act. You tell me if you hadn't eaten in a while, if you'd be like, well, you know, I don't want to really embarrass myself. Oh, man, I don't want anybody. Oh, let me see. Let me see. Oh, let me see. Oh, oh. is it okay, y'all, if I go ahead and I'm really hungry? Can I? I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I, I need to I need to eat. I, I it's been a long time since I, I need just, if you're a fan, we can, we, oh, let me, got, anybody got a napkin I need? Let me see. Let me get my plate out here and get me some silverware and get me a glass and, oh, let me sit it down here and just, oh, I got to get, I just, 
all right here and let me just tuck my tuck my napkin in here and come let me just oh that's just good oh that's just so no no excuse me for being crude but if you hadn't eaten in a while you're not even stopping to get a fork I wouldn't even ask this. I hope to God there's nobody here tonight to eat fried chicken with utensils. I'm sure there's one. We're going to pray that spirit off you. Because there's some food that's too good. You just got to get a hold of it. You don't care what it look like. You got sauce on your hands. You got sauce on your lips. You can't even get to anything. But it's okay, baby. Because when you're hungry, it doesn't matter what it looks like. All you know is the answer is there. And I'm too hungry. There was a woman in the Bible that heard that Jesus was coming. Many of you know this story. There was a woman in the Bible that heard that Jesus was coming. The rumor had gone out. She knew Jesus was coming through her town. And the Bible says that she had a sickness and she had spent all her money on trying to find a solution, trying to find an answer for the sickness. She had run out of options. She had seen every doctor. Can I stop for a minute? I've preached this before, but let me go back and preach it one more time. Notice she didn't get her miracle until she ran out of options. I've had this question asked to me before. I've traveled all over. God's blessed me tremendously. I've had the opportunity to travel all, travel all over the world uh, to, to many different continents, many different countries, and minister and preach and be in services. And I've seen God do amazing miracles. And people have asked me before, why, do, why does God do miracles there and he doesn't do miracles in America? And really, truthfully, it comes down to one thing. We, as Americans, have too many options. God, I need you to heal me. But if it's okay, I got my, I got my, my, my health insurance. God, if you would heal me tonight, I would appreciate it because I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow and I really don't want to go to the doctor. That's just too much. I don't want to have my copay and I don't want it to pay in the insurance. So if you could just go ahead and heal me tonight, I'd appreciate it. But if you don't, don't worry. I'll go to the doctor. He'll take care of it. But when you have somebody that's walked five miles, ten miles down a dirt path to get to church, and they come sick, and they don't have any options. You're talking about desperate people, hungry people. You don't even have to pray. They're so hungry that their hunger just just pours out of them. We as Americans, we, we we have too many options. And notice this lady the Bible talks about. The Bible says she traveled all over, spent all her money trying to find a solution. It wasn't until she ran out of options. If you've got options tonight, you more than likely will leave out of this place unchanged. If you've got options, you'll say, you know what? I'll try it. See, I'll I'll, I'll flip my penny in the proverbial well, see if I can get my wish granted. If not, it's okay. I've got options. Because what's strange to me tonight is the fact that the Bible says that she went finding doctors. She traveled all over. If she's traveling, the Bible doesn't say this, but we're smart people, okay? If she's traveling all over, don't you think somewhere along that way she probably came close to Jesus? It was a pretty big deal. 
If not, she at least knew where he was hanging out. And she's crossed back and forth trying to find doctors. Jesus is coming. Oh, it's a, oh, that's good. You go see him. I'll be back. I got an appointment. I'll be back. Well, we're going down to see Jesus. He's teaching over here in Capernaum. That's okay, girl. I got, I got to go up here. I got to get my, I got to get my appointment and see if this doctor can help me. All of a sudden, she's got no options. And the Bible says that Jesus is coming through her town. Now she's got no options. Desperate people will do desperate things. When you're put into a corner, you'll do things that you didn't think you were even capable of. And the Bible says she heard that he was coming and he came by and there were people all around her. And the Bible says that she began to press her way through the crowd and pressed her way. Can you imagine the chaos of that moment? Can you imagine the, the, the franticness of that moment? Here is Jesus, the biggest celebrity in the whole entire area, walking down the street. People are just around him. So much so that when, when, when this lady touched Jesus, he turned around and said, who touched me? And his disciples looked back and said, really? Have you been out in the sun too long? Who touched you? Look around. Everybody's touching you. So you imagine the crowd there that day. Because you know what? There will always be obstacles to your answer. There will always be obstacles in your way to get to God. It's not all going to part and be easy going. There's always going to be, there'll be obstacles of doubt. There'll be obstacles of fear. There'll be obstacles of, of depression. There'll be obstacles of bondage. There'll be obstacles of voices in your life. All these obstacles will be there to keep you from getting what you need from God. But at that point, she was so desperate, she would not let anyone keep her from getting to God. And the Bible says she began to press her way through the crowd. And it got to the point she had pressed her way that literally she reached out and just touched him. And the Bible says at that moment she touched him immediately. Boom. She was made whole. Why? Because she had gotten to the point where she knew he was the only answer. There's a bumper sticker that I've seen several times. If you have one in your car, I don't, I'm, I don't know you have one in your car, so I'm not trying to offend you. But there's a bumper sticker that says, when all else fails, try Jesus. Can I tell someone tonight, don't wait till everything fails. Let's just skip to the end of the story. Guess what? Everything's going to fail. We'll just go ahead and get to the end. How about let's just skip the next five years of you searching. Get to the end. Everything will fail. So why don't you go ahead and try Jesus now instead of getting to the end and trying him then? Just save yourself a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of regret. Try Jesus. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. But if you build it, 
he will come. If you're in here tonight, the Bible says in Acts chapter 19. I'm going to read it so you can see it. I want, to, I want you to see it. Acts chapter 19. Verse number one. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. If you're here tonight, more than likely, it's pretty safe to say by coming to a church, that makes you a believer. You're a believer. You wouldn't come here tonight if you didn't have some kind of belief. But believing is not receiving. Because he said, have you received since you believed? If believing was receiving, he should have said, you believed, you already received. But he said, have you received since you believed? So believing is not receiving, but you have to believe to receive. And Paul says to these disciples, to these believers, have you received the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, since you believed? So if you're here tonight, my greatest desire, what I feel in my heart tonight, as I pray tonight, and only God knew who was going to be here tonight, God only knew who was going to come. There are some that were going to come tonight that didn't come. There were some that weren't going to come at the last minute you came. Because you know what? God has ordained this moment. We are standing in a God-ordained moment. Do you know that? That at the foundation of the world, God knew this moment was going to be. He knew you were going to be here. But my challenge to you tonight is, will you experience something like you've never experienced before? Are you satisfied with all of God that you have? If you say to me tonight, you know what, preacher, I'm happy. I've got all of God I want. Then you know what? God bless you. I don't mean that to be sarcastic. But you know what? If I walked into the ocean tonight, and I had a little thimble in my pocket, and I walked out and waded into the shores of the ocean, and I dipped down and I picked up a thimble full of the ocean, and I walked it back, and I said to these fine gentlemen, look what I have in my hand. I've got the ocean. I would be telling the truth. However, I would be neglecting that there was a lot more of ocean than what I had. And I could confess to them and it would be true that I have the ocean. But they would return to me and say, you've got the ocean, but turn around. Look at all of that that's out there. And for me to be satisfied with what I've got is neglecting all that's still available. So if you're here tonight and you have received or you've experienced God to a level, I'm thankful for that. But I'm challenging tonight. Look 
the ocean and look at all that's out there for you to experience. Look at everything that's there for you to have. Don't be satisfied with your thimble, but realize that there is an ocean that God has available for you. The Bible says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man the thing that God has prepared for them who love him. That what God has for you tonight, you can't even perceive in your mind the ocean that God has for you to swim in. And I challenge somebody tonight, are you satisfied with what you've experienced of God already? Or is there something way, way, way down deep? I'm not talking about your intellect. I'm talking about way down deep in the core of your soul. Is there something, a little voice crying out that says, I want more. Not talking about your, your, your mental gymnastics that you go through. I'm talking about way down deep in your heart that says, I know there's more. I know there's more. I'm thankful for everything that I've experienced in my life from God. But I'm still not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm thankful for every healing. I'm thankful for every blessing. I'm thankful for every answered prayer. But I'm not satisfied because I know there's more. And even though I've lived for God my entire life, grew up in a preacher's home, spent my entire life living for God, it'd be easy for me to say now at almost 36 years old, you know what, boy, what else is there? But now at 36, I've got more desire to see God do great things than I've ever had before. Why? Because I know there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more for you than you can even imagine. But you've got to build it for him to come. You've got to build it for him to come. You say, well, you know what? I want more of him. I want more. Oh, that was nice. Let's go home. That was good. We tried. That's not what people who desire more from God do. You know what? I may not be comfortable doing it. I may not be used to it. But you know what? Think of raising your hands as a big funnel. You know what? The Bible says... Faith without works is dead. I say it this way because this is how we say it nowadays. Actions speak louder than words. Stand up. He's going to help me out. I've used this before. Let me use it again. This is Dylan. He's a good guy. He's single. He's so pretty. But let me ask you, if I walked up to him tonight and I said, you know what, Dylan, I love you. I really do. And I went, wham. 
No, I'm serious, man. I really love you. Whoa. Is he going to believe what I say or what I do? What a minute. I was sincere. I meant it. I love him. But will he believe what I did or what I said? So, God, I want more of you. Is he going to believe what I say or what I do? So you know what? It may seem silly to you tonight. But you know what? I lift up my hands. Why? Because by lifting up my hands, I'm showing him what I'm saying with my mouth is what I'm saying with my action. I want more of you. I believe God's going to do something special for you tonight. You want to receive it tonight? Lift up your hands. Close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By the power of the word, by the authority of the name of Jesus. I speak in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus.